This is the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. You must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. I'll help you. I promise. Welcome to the Review to Death podcast. I'm Marcus. And I'm Luke. We hope you enjoyed your Halloween. And uh, we're back. Halloween was fantastic. Uh, I'm sorry it's over. Now I get to pretty much wait for the next six months to end because it's going to be really, really cold here where I am. And it's going to need to suck. Well, we're we're bringing back uh, another classic series. Last year we did the classic Universal Horror. And now we're moving up to the classic Hammer movies. Yeah. Uh, Hammer, the, the, you know, the old school you know, British, very British studio that, uh, you know, they're, they're known for horror, but they, they did, you know, a lot of different genres. Yeah. They did other things of movies. And, um, you know, we, there's actually a, a really good documentary uh, on, uh, on hammer called uh, flesh and blood, the hammer heritage of horror. And, uh, it's, it's on YouTube for free. Uh, it's also on prime with, um, with some commercials, but it is in HD. Uh, you know, and we, we watched, uh, we watched a documentary, you know, before uh, tackling the movie that we're going to be talking about today. Um, well, I, I, I only watched a little bit of it. I, I ran out of time, but uh, I know you watched all of it. Yeah. And it's a, it, it's a good documentary. It, you know, if you're into horror uh, and, and like, you know, the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, um, you know, and, and in the evolution of, of how, you know, horror, you know, came to be as we know it today, uh, you should definitely check this out. It's really good. It's It's got, uh, you know, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee are two of the, uh, you know, the, the narrators of the documentary. And, you know, if you don't know who they are, they're, they're well, they're like horror legends. Uh, Peter Cushing, you probably know him more if you're, you know, if you're not familiar with horror as much as, you know, uh, other things. He was uh, in Star Wars. He was... Um, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, he was the guy in the first Star Wars movie that blew up, uh, you know, Princess Leia's planet. I forget what her name, that planet name was right now. Yeah, no, I forget too. Anyway, he was there and Christopher Lee, you know, from like a million things. I'm sure you know. Things. Probably either, Lord of the Rings. Probably Lord of the Rings. Fucking Star Wars. Yep, Count Dooku in Star Wars. You know, both these dudes got their start, uh, well, even earlier than this, but, but they really cut their teeth. Uh, no pun intended, uh, in these horror films. And uh, it, Hammer, as a studio, uh, as it turns out, started really, really early in uh, cinema's history. So like 1934 is when Hammer Productions LTD finally was formed, uh, which is just like three years after the original Dracula came out, which is considered to be the first horror movie uh, with sound. You know, if you listen to our uh, our episode on Dracula from last our year. Our 100th episode, man. That was a special one. It was. It was. It's a really good one. You know, they weren't really known for horror for a while. Uh, they started, they were more of a, a distribution company for, for you know, uh, the beginning of their uh, their run. Uh, they would eventually partner up with a guy named uh, Robert Lip, Lippert. Uh, he uh, he's from the United States. He was a uh, he secured U.S. distribution uh, for their movies. So their movies all of a sudden weren't just reaching you know U.K. and European cinemas. They're also reaching the United States, which is, which is where the real you know real money came in. You know their their first foray into horror was in the early 1950s with these um, uh, the quarter mass experiment movies. They made like three of these things and. Uh, uh, you know, people were real into them because at that point, horror was like really stagnant, not going anywhere. And uh, these were like category X movies. So like, you know, like taboo, like let's go see these category X movies, which I have never heard of these quartermaster experiment movies. Uh, and from what I saw, mm, and me neither. from what I saw in the, you know, documentary, they're, they look real, real tame. I'm sure they're, you know, there's not much to them. But they look, you know, they look interesting. I wouldn't mind watching them. Um, and it wasn't until 1957 when they would come out with their first 
uh, legit horror movie. Uh, and it was The Curse of Frankenstein, uh, directed by Terrence Fisher. Uh, it was in color, which was a big deal at the time. Uh, it would star one Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And Christopher Lee would play the monster, which I thought was really funny and fun to see that. I don't know if you saw if you got that far into the uh, documentary or not. Yeah, I did. And you know what? We're uh, we're going to watch this movie for our next one. So that's right. That's right. That's um, our next movie. Just just a, a real quick heads up. Um, and I can't wait to see it because they showed some clips of it. And so they show, mm-hmm. like, you know, Christopher Lee, big, tall Christopher Lee in, uh, in the Frankenstein makeup. And it's different. It's very different. They had to make it different because Universal Studios, even though by then uh, that story was very much in the public domain, Universal Studios made it clear that uh, if you guys at all copy what we did, uh, we're going to sue you, you know, to oblivion. That's their iconic look. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, all those monsters from Universal, you know, the Dracula and the creature from the Black Lagoon and the Wolfman, they all have their look. But when anybody mentions that series of movies, they think of Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, yeah, they do. So basically what they the the, the rules were uh no no bolts in the neck, no flat head, you know, no no greenish skin. I think even <laughs> Boris Karloff was at one point uh rumored to be in this movie. And they're like, no, I absolutely not. Like, that's that's what, what, do we, what do we just fucking tell you. Like, don't do that. So uh, they end up getting Christopher Lee, who you know at the at that time was pretty much starting his his career. And in the movie, he's covered in makeup, so you really kind of can't see him. So it's uh, you know, he wasn't a big star yet. I like that the Universal monster movies and these Hammer ones seem to have the sort of the, the sort of the same things in them not not even thematically like in the movie themselves but um you know you had Bella Lugosi and and Boris Karloff and you got Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing now and Lee and Cushing had an actual good relationship right but you know you've got these two like major personalities and they sort of echo each other in many ways they do, and they would, yeah. They they worked well together. They respected each other. Uh, they had a, uh, a a very long professional relationship, and they would. I think that I, I might be wrong about this number, but I looked it up, and I think they said they were together in twenty two Hammer horror movies together. Uh, and I don't don't like you know, uh, you know, put me under the microscope for that. But I, I'm I'm only you know, that's what I read just like as a tentative research and um, you know, between these two guys uh, they were in more than half of, it seems like uh, all the horror hammer movies that were released. I mean, they were in like a lot of stuff. I only know hammer for horror. I know uh, I've probably seen one or two that weren't horror movies, but it's almost weird to me to think of hammer and not horror. Right. And, and I know, and I know it's like, it's just a part of what they did, but it's just so weird to me to not, not, you know, to see a different, like think of hammer in a different way. You know, the movie, I'm sure you do. If you haven't seen the movie, you've at least seen the poster because you've seen Shawshank Redemption. But, uh, yeah. remember, uh, 1 million years BC. Yes, I do. With Raquel Welch. I do. That's a hammer movie. Like <laughs> it's bizarre. That's a hammer movie. Like doesn't, you know, who would have thought like, I, that's again, one of the things I learned and, because that movie was so successful, they would release a whole bunch of like, you know, sexy cave girl movies. Um, and it, and sex was, well, would end up being their their basically one of their biggest selling points because they, at certain point in their history, the American horror movies caught up to to Hammer really quickly because Hammer as it turns out, and I didn't know this either, was a real shoestring budget studio. Like they they really flew by the seat of their pants. I, I, I thought they were, you know, when I think of Hammer, I think of like classy, proper uh, horror movies from London. Uh, as it right. turns out, these movies were made on the fly. Uh, very often they would shoot movies back to back that had nothing to do with each other. But to save costs, they would just reuse the same sets. Uh, for yeah. example, uh, Rasputin, the Mad Monk, in a movie called The Reptile, 
were shot back to back on the same exact sets. Uh, have nothing to do with each other, but if you watch them back to back, you will absolutely see the exact same shit. And uh, this documentary is kind of funny because one of the um, there's like three famous directors, like somewhat, I guess, not even like contemporary anymore, but like contemporary from our time, Marcus directors that do interviews and one of them is joe dante who we've talked about many many times gremlins yeah howling you know and joe dante's on there and he talks about how he watched uh you know uh rasputin the mad monk which stars christopher lee and then uh this movie called the reptile which looks ridiculous and um he's like yeah yeah you know i i I saw the same stuff that's how we talk (laughs) Dude, I cannot not do a fucking Joe Dante impression, dude. He is so funny to listen to. Yeah, yeah I'm Joe Dante. I, you know, I, I talk like this, and I, I watch movies. I make grillments. I make grillments too. It's crazy. So yeah, it's it's just I don't know. It's great. It's uh, it's anyway. Point being, I didn't know uh, Hammer uh, was was like a, a real low budget uh, a film studio that cranked these movies up, but they did. Another thing that I really enjoy about. Um, these Hammer movies is that like the older Universal movies, it's like you have to put yourself in the mindset of a theater goer going to see this in the years that it came out. Yes. You know, like we talked about this last year. It's like, you're going to go see Dracula. You're going to watch Dracula now. Like you've seen this all before. So you're watching it from a different perspective. Like then somebody in 1931 fucking scared out of their minds watching this movie that you know was sound that they've never experienced before and with horror of dracula it's sort of the same thing because it's a different kind of movie than people were used to and this one actually i think it got released here in america before it did in london it it did get released here i don't know if it got released before london but it was it was definitely released here as well they they actually renamed it to um uh, horror of Dracula in, in London. It was just called Dracula. Yeah, the confusion. Yeah. Right. So, but like, think about it in like 1958, think about the movies you're seeing. You're seeing a lot of Westerns, you know? Right. Those are the big movies of the time. It, it, it's very, very PG. Like, no and blood. then all of a sudden, no blood, all of a sudden, white. yeah, all of a sudden you've got Christopher Lee with blood on his mouth and people getting stabbed with stakes and blood shooting out and uh, women in low cut tops. And you're like, holy shit. Like, what is this? Yeah. Horror got turned up a notch. Thanks to, uh, thanks to hammer. Uh, basically. Yeah. And exactly like Marcus said it, it before, you know, uh, if there's any blood or any type of gore and the gore before this was like minimal at, you know, at best uh, it was covered up by the you know by the monochrome you know film everything was black and white or they just didn't show it you know like uh they talked about like marcus talked about westerns you know there's so many westerns from a lot of time where people get shot and they just grab the spot where they got shot you don't see any blood but in like you know in uh, um curse of frankenstein that first one yeah there's blood there's bright red blood in dracula the one we watched tonight the movie opens up with Dracula's coffin. There's a close-up of it, and then there's just drips, drops, drops of uh, bright red, bright red blood being, uh, you know, dropped all over the the coffin, and it's uh, it's in your face. Uh, they don't try and hide it, and it's, um, you know, I'm sure it was shocking, shocking, right? In the fifties, I, I, when I think of the fifties, I think of like pearl clutching ladies. And uh, dudes in like FBI hats, right. you know, uh, <laughs> you know, who like pressed their pants and were super proper and, and you know, and did no wrong. And then, then I can't imagine those people going, you know, with their, you know, with their perfect families going to see like, you know, the horror of Dracula and, and, and seeing what we saw tonight and uh, having a regular reaction to it. I love these. Um, I love these old title cards, by the way. Um, that would, you know, in Horror of Dracula, it's like an early version of this, but it would continue throughout the 60s. And it's, you know, where it, it gives you just like scenes of, uh, you know, like the sets of the movie. And it, it has, you know, like just pages of people, you know, right. Like they showed the full credits at the beginning of the movie. It's got the gothic font, music screaming in the background. I love this shit, man. I, in any movie that this shows up in. Right or or an orchestral score blaring over the you know over the the, the credits, 
Um, yeah, same. It gives me like a, a warm and fuzzy feeling inside. And um, just to really quickly wrap up this, uh, this because we got to get to the movie. But, uh, you know, the history of Hammer in fucking two minutes or less. Uh, basically, they would acquire rights to all these, uh, you know, these uh, these properties. They would get Mummy. They would get the werewolf. They would make the Curse of the Werewolf, um, which would be the only werewolf movie they would direct, which I uh, or they would make, which I, I thought was kind of interesting. They would get the Queen Queen's Award of Industry uh, in 1968 as a studio for making as much money as they did, uh, like three years in a row. I think they made like two million dollars plus every year because uh, they became so profitable. Uh, in the seventies is when that uh, studio became to uh, or began to uh, wane a little bit, uh, and then a lot. They got into uh, you know they really started to to milk that 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 cow dry. Like in Dracula AD nineteen seventy two came out, which is a movie that even Christopher Lee was like, man, this is this is a lot. <laughs> like I, 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 what do you guys? I don't know. I don't like what was happening. And it's not like Christopher Lee was very selective with what he did. He did a no, lot no. of stuff. He did a lot. <laughs> and for him to be like, eh, maybe I shouldn't have done this one, <laughs> says a lot. <laughs> yep. In 1974, uh, a movie came out called The Satanic Rites of Dracula, uh, which was the last Hammer film uh, that um, Peter Cushing and Lee worked together, and Lee worked on, together yeah. on. Yep. Uh, in 1974, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires came out, which was a Hammer and Shaw Brothers co-production. And if you don't know the Shaw Brothers, you don't know kung fu movies from that era because uh, Shaw Brothers were like, you know, they were like the world the leader. production like, house, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, that was, I mean, that's the, they were the shit. So it's kind of like, you know, it's funny because up until today, I, I realized that's the only movie of, of Hammers that I've seen. It was the Sev- Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. And that movie is fucking bonkers. And you should go out and watch <laughs> it right now. It's literally... Think of what a hammer, classic hammer movie with uh, vampires would look like with like kung fu chap suey type stuff. That's exactly what you're going to get. It's it's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then um, in uh, 1975, their last horror movie was released called uh, To the Devil, A Daughter, uh, which looks awesome. Apparently, it's a mess. Uh, Christopher Lee is in that one also, of course. He was in a lot of these guys. And in 1979, uh, they were liquidated. Uh, their last movie was uh, the ladies, the lady vanishes, which is a remake of an Alfred Hitchcock movie from uh, 1938, which was a huge dud. Everybody hated it. Um, bringing us up to date, up to speed. Uh, in 2007, a Dutch producer called uh, John De Mol uh, purchased Hammer Film Rights, and uh, dude, his <laughs> dude, his first production or the first production under his uh, tutelage, Marcus. It was mm-hmm. a movie called Beyond the Rave. This is two thousand. Okay. This is two thousand seven. Okay, uh, yeah. it was really released exclusively on MySpace. <laughs> oh my goodness, MySpace man. <laughs> yep, uh, exclusively on MySpace. Uh, actually, ended up being released in two thousand and eight. Uh, you know, I looked up the IMDb. The score actually isn't that bad. So maybe um, I don't know. Uh, in twenty eleven, they released the uh, the residents. The Resident, sorry, uh, which has Christopher Lee back in the, in Hammer films, along with Hilary Swank and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Also looks pretty good. Uh, in 2010, they released Let Me In, which was the uh, remake of uh, Let the Right One In. I don't know if you saw that one or not, but it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In 2012, they did The Woman in Black, which is their biggest contemporary hit. Uh, that's the one with Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, it made a hundred one. I haven't seen it, but I do know it. Oh, dude, it's fucking good. It's really good. It made $129 million on a, a budget of like 32 million. So it was, it was like a huge hit. And they did a sequel to that, which bombed spectacularly. Uh, in 2019, they made a movie called the lodge. Remember the lodge? We watched the lodge I, for the, podcast. yeah, I, I, I gotta say, I sort of hated that movie. Not great, but it's not a bad yeah. movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just, it's just. There are issues. Go listen. Go listen to our podcast did, on that one. We did an episode. I had on issues. It. Yeah, we did an episode on it. It's a movie that we weren't crazy about, but uh, I fully admit it had some artistic merit. Um, and then, in catching us up to till right now, twenty twenty three, uh, we did a um, episode a few I don't know a few episodes back uh, on our uh, horror happenings. 
by a guy named uh, John Gore uh, purchased the studio. Uh, his studio is uh, the John Gore Organization. And uh, the first Hammer movie that to come out under his, uh, you know, uh, reign is a movie called uh, Dr. Jekyll. Uh, it's going to be coming out on October 26th, which uh, as of this recording is, uh, what, like eight days from now? <laughs> so there's a new Hammer movie <laughs> right. coming out uh, in a little over a week uh, starring Eddie Izzard. I saw that I watched the trailer for this because, like I said, it's coming out and like a little over a week so of course there's a trailer uh it looks good it looks legit like i'm would want to see it uh i don't know man uh that catches up to hammer film so far man it's it's a a new chapter so horror of dracula and this is the only time i'm gonna be able to say this for this whole series is i have seen this one i have not seen the other ones that we're watching um luke i know this was your first time watching it we did watch it together tonight um and it starts with those title cards that I've talked about with the music behind it. I do want to talk about the music for a second. It was a, uh, composed by a guy named James Bernard. And okay. he sort of got uh, a bit of a, a ridiculous story as well. Uh, he did he did a lot of Hammer movie stuff. I mean, not a lot, a lot. But he, did, he also did Curse of Frankenstein. And he did some of those... Uh, uh, those X movies or Quantum X movies that we talked to, that you talked about, Quartermaster, yeah, yeah. Quartermaster, yeah, and um, and uh, he sort of learned how to write music on his own, really, and uh, yeah, well, sort of, and he was all he was like encouraged by uh, a pretty famous uh, classical composer from England called Benjamin Britten. He's considered to be one of like the modern greats. You know, like they put him, they put him in the line of like Beethoven and Mozart, but it's like how, you know, spanning years and years. He's one of like the modern greats. Gotcha. Um, And I guess that he met, he met, uh, Benjamin Britten met him in college. Incidentally, the same college that Christopher Lee also went to, but they didn't go together. Okay. Then he went to the war, you know, World War II happened. And get this, uh, James Bernard, the composer, worked on the team that was deciphering the Enigma device. Oh my God! No shit. Yeah, he was working on the, the like the Japanese specific ones, like the messages that would come through. That's wild, dude. I know, isn't this crazy? And then, uh, and then after he got done with the war, he met a guy who was like a major that worked for MI6. Wow. <laughs> and then then they sort of like after they both got, you know, released from the military, they did the music thing and uh they lived together apparently and uh you know, sort of their careers uh, went together. You know. It, it's <laughs> just sort of a a crazy crazy sort of story, you know. And was he he was kind of like the main guy for Hammer for a while, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, which by the way, speaking of main guys for um uh, for Hammer, and I, I, I kind of, um, I, I mentioned him briefly during my, uh, you know, summary of of, of Hammer history. Uh, Terrence Fisher, this guy, dude, I, I had no idea this guy existed. Terrence Fisher, uh, oh, he, he's done, he's done a lot of Hammer stuff, dude. He did like all the Hammer stuff, <laughs> like all the Hammer for, stuff, right? For, for like ten to fifteen years. I mean, it is ridiculous like this guy was a workhorse i know like i don't know if you're familiar you know I'm, i know you are but like if, if for, your, for those of you listening um if you're familiar with the works of uh takeshi Mike, like you know that that dude would direct like four or five movies a year right like that's kind of like you know back when he was a young man you know that's what he was doing right um dude terence fisher is like that guy but like <laughs> from london in the 60s and 70s i mean it's it's insane uh, just to give you a you know a quick overview on terence fisher and i, and I want to catch up on this i, I mentioned him because i i, I want to catch up on this guy's filmography because um his movies sound really good they have really good you know high marks um you know on imdb for example but like horror of dracula right that came out in 1958 right right um Revenge of, uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, where's the Frankenstein? Curse of Frankenstein. He did that one the year prior. In 1958, the same year that A Horror of Dracula, Revenge of Frankenstein came out. Uh, he did Hound of Baskervilles. 
the man who could cheat death, the mummy. Uh, he did the Brides of Dracula. That was this is 1960 now. Uh, the Two Faces of Doctor Jekyll, 1960 again. Uh, the sword man just works. I, I mean, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the curse of the curse of the werewolf. The movie we're going to talk about soon, 1961. I mean, it's just like one after another. Phantom of the Opera, 1962. Dude, it just goes on and on. It just he just worked. Like every year, he came out with like at least one to two movies. Up until like the um, the late '60s and then uh, uh, early '70s, that's when he kind of uh, he he dropped off, and then he would end up um, you know passing away. But uh, yeah, Terrence Fisher, man, uh, his filmography. If you want a good you know meaty chunk of of Hammer horror, check out Terrence Fisher. And sort of like what we did last year with the the classic horror movies, like people know these stories, right? You know, and um... And I think a, a good place to start with this one is that what's different than the traditional Dracula story? Because I think of all the, the Dracula adaptations I've seen, this one maybe takes the most liberties with the overall story. Uh, it does, but it's and it's funny because the way it starts is, is very typical, right? You have uh, um, mm-hmm. Jonathan Parker, Parker shows up, uh, in this case, to be Dracula's, Count Dracula's uh, librarian. Right. He's not going to be like an accountant or I don't know. He's not going to crunch any numbers, which is kind of what I remember him being like in the older versions. Uh, He's there to like, uh, you know, organize Count Dracula's fucking library. But it turns out that he already knows this Harker and this horror of Dracula knows who Dracula is already. And he's actually there to like stop him. He's like, he's doing a, a, a thing where he's like writing his thoughts down, you know, and it's like got a voiceover and he's like, and I've come to, you know, stop this madness once and for all or something like that. Yeah. He's a vampire hunter, man. Jonathan Harker, the vampire hunter. And this one, that's the first well, big change. He's not very good at it, apparently. Oh, he sucks ass. <laughs> uh, there's no Renfield in this one. Right. What else is different? So... The other thing that's different is Dracula is uh, typically known to have three brides, right? Uh, Oh, yeah, and he's only got one. He's only got the one. And Harker meets her pretty much right away. Uh, She appears to be in distress. She asks him for help. She wants him to get her out of there. Uh, And But before he can even, like, really respond or process what she's asking, she runs away. Well, and we meet Christopher Lee for the first time, too. We do. And it's a really cool shot because they show him at the top of the staircase that's in this room that he's standing in. And it's one shot. It doesn't cut away as Christopher Lee, like, walks down the stairs. And, it, it, and you know, it's a cliche to say that, like, Dracula sort of floats. But Christopher Lee, like, nailed this. He Like, he almost floats, like, the way he moves his legs. Right. And he like quickly moves down all of the stairs and then keeps walking towards the camera to where like his chin is over the top of the camera. So you've got this weird angle and it's all one shot and it's it's unsettling. Right. All of a sudden it's like an extreme close up of Christopher Lee's face. Uh, you know, whereas where the shot started, it was really far away. And yeah, it is it's well done. Uh in the documentary they they mention that they really wanted to humanize. Dracula for this one because they felt that the more they humanized him the scarier he got so like they didn't want him to like you know supernaturally like float down the stairs or right. uh, you know have special effects like aid him and you know his introduction they wanted his introduction to be as human as possible uh, how much of that but he does have that budget. like graceful presence yeah. and movement he, I think it's just Christopher Lee being Christopher Lee he's just a cool right? motherfucker <laughs> Right, you know, like the guy just doesn't have to try too hard. Right, he's just like, I'm just gonna fucking waltz down these stairs and nail this shit, and then we can move on. (laughs) And I did have to look this up because I started to notice as I was watching it. I'm pretty sure I didn't notice this the first time I saw it. Um, But Christopher Lee, he's not on screen a whole lot, to be honest with you. He's not. And um, and as you watch it, you're like, man, he's not talking very much. And yeah, he's only got 16 lines and all of them are done by 10 minutes into the movie. And he never speaks again after that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. There's a big fight scene at the end, but he's not talking during that either. So yeah, you're right. He, and he, he never talks to, like, 
And he never talks to anybody but Harker. Oh, is that? Yeah, I suppose he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, going in, uh, you know, what's different, what's what's the same. Uh, you know, we, we, we hear, you know, through Harker's inner monologue, what he's writing in his journal. Uh, you know, he, he kind of like wakes up in the middle of the night and he explores Dracula's castle. and He runs into uh, Dracula's bride again. Uh, who attacks him this time and, uh, you know, when goes to bite his neck. And that's when Dracula intervenes and, like, throws her out of there and, and, and kind of rescues, you know, quote-unquote, Harker, correct? Yeah, but then Harker, like, jumps in and tries to stop him from, right like, hitting the 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 woman the you know the vampire woman and that's i think that's what she's listed as i think she's just vampire woman right right um and then he gets he doesn't get bitten yet though but he gets like like fingernailed in his throat right he like something like that he does get bitten he does get bitten i don't know if it's her or i can't remember if it's her or dracula but he all of a sudden he wakes up he doesn't know when it is but he wakes up and he's got the uh the bite marks on his neck and uh, here's where the movie could have ended right here. If uh, <laughs> fatal mistake, yeah. If Harker was a, a slightly better vampire hunter, because he he wakes up and he sees uh, Dracula in one coffin, his big you know white, it's like an iconic uh, a coffin in this movie, and then in the other coffin, uh, not too far away, is the bride. So he decides to stake the bride first, uh, which ends up right. being a, a a bad idea. But again, cool scene. Cause he fucking he he hammers the stake in, and there's lots of blood. You can see the stake going in. Uh, again, for a 1958 uh, movie, you know this is this seems like a lot. Uh, and uh, yeah, she dies, she screams, dies screaming, and uh, those screams wake up, uh, you know, wake up Big D, and uh, he's not having any of that shit. No, so that's it for Harker. Well, yeah, he's gonna be a vampire next time we see him. And then, and then finally, we get Van Helsing played by Peter Cushing to like twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah, and I, I really, really enjoy Peter Cushing in this movie. It's just that you know, like that classic. It's just Peter Cushing, man. He's he's he is what he he was what he was. Right, uh, really charismatic and uh, has a really like great presence on the screen. You know the way he talks, the way he moves around. I love it. Well, yeah, it's Peter Cushing. Being a fucking smooth motherfucker, uh, but it's also Peter Cushing in his prime. Like this is the youngest we'll see him, uh, and you know, at least you know for our purposes. And yeah, he's fantastic. He's just like cool, calm, and collected. Uh, he was, he's been summoned by Harker. Harker is the one that told him like, "Hey, uh, we got this vampire issue. Uh, I'm gonna apparently try and do this myself, but you should come help out if you can." <laughs> which should have you know in retrospect he really should have, should have waited for for van helsing uh because uh van helsing uh very quickly deducts that um you know harker is over at uh dracula's castle you know gets in there finds harker harker's you know he's got fangs out but he's sleeping and um puts an end to harker right there that's the end of harker and he you know he's he stakes him and uh then we moves on without him. And then here's where we get, you know, those similarities again. Because, uh, you know, Dracula is still enamored by, you know, the Lucy character. The one that reminds him of his own wife, you know. Although that's not hinted at at all in this movie. Just a little bit at the beginning with, like, the picture. Yeah. And I guess maybe maybe we only knew because we're familiar with yeah, the story. Yeah, because we never see Dracula's, like backstory in this movie like that's not no. a thing that's hinted at but i guess what i'm trying to get at is that all that stuff is is you know pretty normal for a dracula story because you know like he's enamored with lucy bites her and um and lucy have we have we mentioned who lucy is she's the sister Lu- lucy no. is the fiance of harker so of harker was, yeah they were engaged to be married and they won't tell her that that he's dead because they've they've discovered him, but they won't tell her that he's dead. But right. her her sister in law and her brother know. Right, that's Arthur and Mina. Uh, yeah. they're, they're 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 the next two big characters that are introduced. 
Uh, and, and when we see Lucy, she's sick. Like, she's not feeling good. She's in a village nearby, which is where, you know, Harker came from. And, uh, yeah, she's not feeling good. And then uh, she's anemic. So, uh, you know, if you know what that means, uh, you know. It's Dracula people. time. <laughs> Might be something going on. Dracula related. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it, you, then you get another uh, Christopher Lee being awesome as Dracula. You know, floating into the room. He doesn't actually float, but it does. It appears as if he floats because of the way he walks. Yeah. And you can see his feet moving, but it's like the none of the rest of his body moves. It's just his feet. And here's the thing. As opposed to like, you know, like the 1931 Dracula, you know, with Bela Lugosi. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lee's just fucking sexy. Like, he's just like a yeah. hot fucking he's sexy vampire that, dude. That presence. Yeah. Right? So, like, when women but look at again, him... again, at this point, though, in movie making, they would have known how to do that kind of stuff. You right. Know, like, in Dracula, they were just, like, you know, they had well, nothing to compare against. Well, dude. Except for the silent movies. Yeah, dude. That 1931 Dracula is, like, a, you know, it's, like, fucking Lois and Clark bushwhacking through the wilderness. Like, that. that's what that movie... <laughs> right. Like, and if you do watch that movie, which you should, because... You just should. You should watch it. And this is coming from a person that didn't particularly enjoy it all that much. Uh, but it's interesting to see where horror movies it's came from. It's just, it's just very interesting. I just think it's a very interesting movie to watch. Um, if not particularly entertaining. Definitely not as entertaining as the movie we're talking about tonight. Uh, but man, Christopher Lee has just got this like just sexual like fucking chemistry energy that when women like look at him and they kind of like just submit you kind of get it like okay like just this dude is just like a really hot vampire dude and they're like we'll do whatever you need to do and you're like as an audience member like all right i get it (laughs) but peter cushing's van helsing is on this shit he's like you know you're gonna close the windows you're gonna put garlic flowers all over the fucking place Mm mm-hmm and uh, she'll be better. She'll be fine. But yep. you got to do this shit. And everything's working in plan until fucking Gerda comes along. Gerda. I guess it's like the house, you know, the house maid. She is. And, uh, you know, since, you know, Lucy's been seduced by this vampire and been, you know, she's got some of that persuasion, too. And she's like, oh, these flowers, I can't handle them. You need to get rid of them and open the windows, too, won't you? Right, and just Gerda just does it. I, I think it might just be Gerda being Gerda, <laughs> right? Like, ah, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I do this, and then she, yeah, she just gets rid of all that stuff. And the next time, and we that's see Lucy, the end of Lucy. <laughs> next time, <laughs> the next time we see Lucy, she's Lucy's dad. <laughs> that's the end of Lucy. Uh, but thanks, but, Gerda. But it's yeah, thanks, Gerda. But it's not the end of Lucy because we know what happens, you know, to to Dracula's victims. Yeah, they turn, and uh, we're going to get another one turning in a little while, too. Is that the creepy thing, the creepy one with the, where we see the woman in the forest, you know, smiling with the fangs? Was that Lucy or was that Mina? No, no, that's Lucy. This is before we get into the Mina stuff. Um, right. There's a... That's uh, fucking creepy as hell, dude. Awesome Even scene. now. Awesome scene, creepiest scene in the movie. Uh, we, should, we should discuss it real quickly. Um Arthur and Mina, uh, which again, they're uh, brother and sister-in-laws of, of Lucy. You know, they're they're concerned. Uh, they have reasons to be concerned. Uh, Lucy just died too, which is you know distressing. Um, so they're getting ready to like bury her. You know, uh, getting all that stuff ready. A uh, policeman shows up with a little girl who apparently is uh, Lucy's niece, although it's not really well explained, or at least I didn't understand it super well. But she tells them that she saw Lucy walking around at night, which doesn't make sense because Lucy's supposed to be fucking dead, right? And so Van Helsing and Arthur go and investigate, and they go into the woods. And sure enough, they find Lucy. She's out in the woods. She's in, like, the trees. And she, like, smiles at them. Yeah, and it is it's it's another unsettling thing. Creepy. Like, it's the creepiest shit by far in this movie. Uh, and this movie got some good creepy stuff in it, but that that is by far the stuff that uh, that is probably going to stick with me uh, going forward. And then the meanest shit starts to happen. Well, we should say Van Helsing does kill Lucy. 
Like we, he, yes. he does put an end yes. to her. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, and like with with um, with Arthur in the room. Yes, because Arthur is the like, Arthur's the skeptic. Think about like the dynamic between Arthur and Van Helsing, whereas like Arthur is Mulder. No, wait, no. Arthur is Scully, and Van Helsing is is Mulder uh, from the X Files, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you kind of get the right idea. It's like you, you you can see this now. It's like you do know I'm gonna have to like stake her, but right. like I want to show you. But this Sc- shit's all real. But Scully's like, no, no, Mulder. There's a good explanation <laughs> for all this. You know, it's just, you know, you take you know, you're always going there. Always aliens with you. Uh, but uh, no, uh, or vampires in this case. Uh, no, it, pretty concretely, uh, Van Helsing makes it. Uh, clear that it's vampires and Arthur should fucking, you know, uh, shit or get off the pot. Right, because Drax is going to start working his magic on Mina, too. Now, Mina's next. Crosshairs on Mina. Which he does get to her. He does. And, and, uh, which, and then after they, they sort of, they, because they don't, he can't complete the job. And so, for whatever reason, like, I don't even know what the purpose of this was, but Van Helsing like is going to give, they're going to, he's going to do a blood transfusion from Arthur. I I don't even know how that would help in the first place. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They, they find out that Mina has been, she's been sucked on and uh, (laughs) she's, she's, you know, if they don't do something, um, she's going to turn. And so, yeah. So, so, you know, (laughs) this is where you remember like, Oh yeah, it's doctor. Van Helsing. So he does right. a uh, a blood transfusion with uh, uh, Mina and Arthur, uh, which you know we had a good laugh about during that scene because, like, you know, this is like uh, super primitive. Like, how the fuck does he know that the blood is compatible? You know what? You know what? Whatever. Just suspend your disbelief. It's all good. But it whatever it works. It buys him some time. Uh, ultimately, what the plan is for Van Helsing is to, to use Mina as a, uh, as bait because uh, they know that Dracula is going to come for her to try and finish her off, to turn her to, you know, make her his new bride. Uh, and that's how they're going to get to him. And then uh, cue the end of this movie, which is uh, fantastic. I love it. It's all music and action and, uh, um, it's great to see. Like, there's a lot of athletic prowess shown by both of our actors here. It's a lot of running, a lot of jumping. I loved it, man. It's like what this is what you, this is what you're here for when you watch a Hammer horror movie. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and again, as I mentioned before, this is the youngest we'll see these dudes, right? Like, so they still got that fucking that step, that spring in their step. Uh, yeah. For these scenes now, granted. When Van Helsing fucking like springboards and p- pulls the fucking curtains down to reveal the sunlight behind, uh, I don't think that's actually Peter Cushing, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, they do have they have a, a drawn out uh, slugfest uh, at the end of this movie because you know Van Helsing tracks Dracula down, you know, to to, to Mina, and uh, oh, and he takes his uh, his coffin away too because he puts a cross in there. So Dracula's got nowhere to go. Right, this, this cat. I, I can't. We 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 can't glaze over this part. I actually I love this. It's like it's a couple seconds, but it, it makes me laugh because he, he uh, you know Van Helsing discovers that like the the coffins in the basement because he, he he overhears Gerda talking about something, you know. Oh right. And so when he when he runs down to the basement and he like, he opens the door and he sees the coffin. He like runs over the coffin. He throws the thing off and, you know, uh, Dracula's not in there. And then he turns around and Christopher Lee for a second, like throws himself into the room and he sees, he sees Van Helsing. He's like, Oh shit, fuck. And he closes the door and runs away. <laughs> I don't know. Some about that. I loved it. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like Dracula losing control, which you don't see. Right. Often. Right, like he's just like. Oh, that's he- when he puts the cross, puts the cross in his coffin, so he can't go back there. But then, <laughs> but then the, the he escapes on horseback to go back to his own place, you know, Castle Dracula. Right. You know, breaking the <laughs> breaking this guard's like gate, and then you know, and then in the bit of comedy, like Van Helsing goes and breaks the same gate after it's been repaired. <laughs> it's like a Benny Hill short. <laughs> it kind of is. 
It kind of and is. then they end back at Castle Dracula where all this stuff happens. Um, I do know that um, they didn't want Cushing to do a couple of things that he did because they thought he was going to hurt himself, but he did anyway. Sure. So like when he first gets back there and he's chasing Lee, he does like a little hop over the banister. Okay. We're like, no. And they're like, no, don't do that. We'll have somebody else do it. He's like, no, nah, I got it. <laughs> and so he did that. And then uh, I guess the story goes is that the, the at the end of this, you know, like this chase scene that they have and like uh, this little battle that they have. Um, it was Peter Cushing's idea for him to run across the table and uh, jump and pull down the curtains because it would add some more action, you know, to the scene. Oh, sure, sure. And and they went with it. So he actually ran across the table. I don't know if he jumped onto the 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 curtains or not, but he did definitely run across the table. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Dude, Peter Cushing just from watching the uh um you know the documentary, it just seems like a really nice dude. Like nobody had anything but like nice things to say about him. Everybody said yeah. that he was just like He a, always seems like he was. Yeah, like a pleasure to work with. Just, just a real nice guy. Um, you know, when this movie was made, he was, he was, he's older than us. He's forty-five years old. You know, it, it, you know, he just uh, does a lot of physical stuff in this, and it's not, a, not yeah, a physical. I don't want to run across the table and jump in a window right now, Luke. No, I mean, I, I, we talked about this earlier this summer. I tried doing some stuff that I shouldn't have done, and I hurt myself <laughs> real bad. So that I don't, yeah. But if you're in your 40s and you're a dude, don't, you know, unless you're an athlete, and I'm not an athlete, uh, don't, uh, you know, don't push it because it's going to hurt. Uh, so, yeah, Peter Cushing, you know, hats off to you for uh, any, you know, stunts that you did. And then when the curtain gets pulled, you know, it's uh, Dracula and the... Um... Dracula in the sunlight. Also, apparently it was Peter Cushing's idea to use the candlesticks that he picked up as a cross. It's pretty which cool. Is, you know, which is used in everything now. Like whenever there's a vampire movie, somebody's using something as a cross. And I guess his thought was this like, I've used a real cross so many times in this movie. Let's do something different. Yeah, it's sweet. He, he picks up, he literally picks up two candlesticks and, you know, like crosses them at 90 degree angles and makes a cross out of them. Uh, which fucking works really good. Uh, and, and he ends up pushing Dracula into the sunlight, you know, which he revealed by, you know, throwing himself into the, uh, you know, the curtains. And um, yeah, we see a really turns to, turns to ash. It's a pretty cool transformation. I mean, there's, it's not like it's done well for 1958, especially it's, I, if I saw the same effect in a movie that was done now, I wouldn't bat an eye. I would be like, Oh yeah, that looks good. Yeah. Right, it, it's it's really it's done well. It's a it's a cool effect, and, and except yeah. except for maybe his face at the end. The That's face a little, is, it was a little goofy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> face looks. They were trying to. They were, it was like a pile of ash, but they wanted you to still see his fangs. And so I his, get it. It just it just ended up looking silly. And the eyes. So it kind of ends up looking right, like and a, the eyes. Ends up looking at a really surprised crypt keeper for a second. But um, yeah, it's okay. That's fine. And then, you know, and then he opens the window and the ash gets blown away and it's like a shape of his hand, but then the ash goes away and then his ring's just there. Right. And then freeze frame. Oh, wait. So, and then, uh, wait, wait, wait. And then Mina's uh, burn mark goes away. Oh, because we, we forgot to mention they, they put a, oh, yeah. they, we, they put a, a cross on Mina's hand, her palm, and it, it burned the, you know, the, uh, the shape of the cross in her hand because, you know, she's a vampire. But uh, that burn mark goes away, which you know, signifies that she's free now. She's good to go. Yeah. I guess we also got to say too, cause when they first show up at castle Dracula, um, Dracula's frantically trying to bury her so that you know, he could <laughs> right. make her a vampire. Right. And he gets interrupted, but he does like throw her in there. I'm, I'm assuming it's gotta be a stunt woman, but like Christopher Lee just straight up throws this woman into the ground. I, I would just assume that's a dummy. I hope that's a dummy. I hope it wasn't a real person that just fucking chucked. Oh no! It looked the- like it had some weight. To it. <laughs> <laughs> he hurls hurls this woman into the hole. There's no way that felt good if you're a real person. No, <laughs> mad or no, like yeah. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. That would suck so much. I'd be like you fucking <laughs> fuck you, Christopher Lee. <laughs> so give me your final thoughts on horror of Dracula. Uh, it was great. I really liked it. Uh, again, this is one of those movies where, you know, if you're 
I don't know, man. If you're like interested in horror and, and kind of want to see where it came from, this is you should watch this one. This one's really good, and uh, you're gonna have a whole lot more fun watching this than the 1931 version because the 1931 version, I will attest, is a bit of a chore to get through. This one, not so much. Uh, not even close, honestly, and it's it's a lot of fun. You get to see a couple of uh, horror movie uh, straight up legends and Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, uh, you know, doing their thing when they were, uh, you know, relatively young. Uh, so, in the end, it's the beginning of horror uh, or Hammer Horror, which uh, is is saying a lot. So, yeah, I recommend it. See it. Yeah, I like this one a lot. It's got castles, it's got fog, it's got gothic imagery. It's everything that you want in this kind of stuff. The acting's really good. The set design's really good. I know, as you know, Luke mentioned that they use a lot of them over again. Well, they look good, so it might as well. And uh, the clothes, uh, everything. You know, it's a treat to watch Cushing and Lee work together. Um, you know, knowing this is really the only the second time they did this, they they they. They work together well and it, you know, served them well for the rest of their careers. A lot of new things that horror movies hadn't had yet and a wonderful score. Yeah, I, I recommend this one a lot. So that was our first episode of the month for our classic November. And uh, instead of one of our regular segments tonight, we're going to try a little something new because, um, you know, every so often uh, in life, you get a new experience and uh, it's something that you're not used to and that you do for the first time, maybe. And Luke had one of those the other day and it really works with our, our, our theme tonight. So Luke, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so this this wasn't planned at all. It, just, it literally just kind of like fell into my lap. And uh, when it did, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fucking absolutely do this. So a little bit about me. I, I've i never been to a ballet before. And I, you know, it came to my uh, attention that there was a Dracula ballet near me. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I live in Wisconsin. And it was uh, a, a ballet group from uh, from Madison, Wisconsin. That was coming to a town near me, and they were going to do a stage production of Dracula. So I'm like, the ballet. Yeah, Dracula, but the ballet. I'm like, if I'm ever going to see a fucking ballet, it's going to be Dracula. You see that? We got something for you. If I'm ever going to see a fucking ballet, it's going to be Dracula. I can imagine how painful this must be for you. I feel no remorse. And, <laughs> you know, it, it just so happened. There's not a lot going on that weekend. Uh, my daughter was with me. Actually, my dad came to visit me, too. And I'm like, you know what? You guys, we're going to go see Dracula the Ballet. And uh, to various uh, amounts of enthusiasm, mostly not much. And I'm like, we're fucking going. Shut up. Just, I don't want to hear it. We're going. And uh, we saw it. And I can't speak for the other two people that I came with. But I had a really good time. I really enjoyed it. Again, it's my first ballet. If I didn't know the story beforehand, which is very close to what the, you know, the movie that we discussed tonight, I could see it not being as enjoyable. Because, uh, again, this is the first time ballet goer. Uh, they don't speak. It's all dance. Uh, and... Uh, it was funny because my daughter is 12. So, you know, we're sitting and we got, you know, we have pretty good seats. We're pretty close up. And I could just see her just kind of like looking at the stage, you know, with wide eyed confusion. And I was just like le lean over from time to time and be like, hey, this is when Jonathan Harker shows up to Dracula's castle. And, uh, you know, he's going to be like an accountant or something. Uh, this is when Dracula sees Jonathan Harker's uh, picture of his wife. And uh, he's going to, you know, see that she resembles his uh, his wife from way back that, you know, and she's going to be really obsessed with her. So I'm, t I'm telling my daughter all this stuff. And she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then uh, 
you know, the show ends and I look at my, look at my dad, look at my daughter and I look at my daughter. And I'm like, what'd you think? She goes, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Ballets are difficult. The entire um, time. And I'm know, like, and I, this is I, coming, I this is coming from a music teacher and somebody who studied this stuff in college. <laughs> Ballets are difficult. If you're not familiar right. with the story ahead of time. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I could fully admit to the fact that if I saw a ballet on a story that I wasn't familiar with, it, there's no way I would have liked it as much. That being said, this uh, uh, this group from from Madison uh, did an awesome job. They were fantastic. They 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 really fucking rocked it. Um, and um, it it opened up my world a little bit because I'd be fine with seeing more ballet. I mean, as long as I kind of know what. I'm getting into um i'd be down for more specifically horror related if you have some horror <laughs> ballet coming my way dude i'm fucking sign me up i'm there like show me some show me some jekyll and mr hyde ballet or like mummy ballet like i'm fucking there <laughs> dude like uh you know in a nutshell uh, i'll be i'll be there with uh, with bells on i'll even drive my daughter to it make her fucking watch that shit uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, you guys should, I don't know, man, try new things. It's fun. It's a good time. Maybe, maybe now I can finally get you to watch a musical. Oh my God. I, I, I hate musicals, but I you, maybe you say that, but you don't know because you don't watch them. I've tried. I've tried it. And it has not worked out. It has not worked out. But the- as much as I as much as I have uh, my issues with the movie version of Sweeney Todd, that would be the one that you should start with. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just uh, it seems like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you just watched an entire ballet that had no words, and you're not willing to try a musical that has a lot of words. Here, I'll make it easier for you. Does this make it easier for you? Sweeney Todd is almost technically not a musical anyway. It's more an opera. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Okay, but I mean, <laughs> sure. Like, I, you know what? I'll watch it with you. How about that? Like, I'll, if you're there to fucking, like, walk me through it, like, I walked my daughter <laughs> through it, like, the ballet, which obviously wasn't successful, uh, I, <laughs> I will do it. Well, stay tuned for more of this this month. No, not more of this, but more Hammer. <laughs> uh and uh, we're 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 uh, we're we're enjoying ourselves so far. These things are perfect to watch this time of year, man. Even if you don't get to them during the Halloween season, they work for fall. I don't know, just something about them. It feels right. It does. And uh, if you have, uh, what is it called? Max now? HBO Max? Whatever. Max. It's called Max. Yeah. Uh, they have a bunch of them on there. Um, so if you're curious, uh, check that shit out. Or, dude, I'm sure your library has it. Go look at your library. I've been a proponent from libraries for like ever. Uh, go check your library out. I'm sure they have Hammer uh, stuff from the 60s and 70s. It's worth, well worth checking out. The Review to Death podcast is written and produced by the both of us. We release new episodes on Mondays. Thank you to Groove Witness for the use of their music. You can find them at GrooveWitness.us. Check out our written reviews at the link in the description and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Review to Death. Thank you for listening. And Luke, tell us what's coming up next. We're coming up next. We're going to take a look at Hammer Films. Well, what you could consider their first real horror movie in 1957's The Curse of Frankenstein. That's pretty much all I got. Later, Gators. Can I interest you in some fog to go with your fog? Yes, please. Is that what owls do? I hate fucking owls. Is that, what, is that what owls do? Is that They make that noise? I think some owls do that. They scream like women? Because <laughs> that would be... Absolutely the worst thing. I can't even imagine. Like, I'm going camping tomorrow. If a fucking owl does that next to me, I'm going to run out of my tent screaming. No, dude, that's... I'm sending that owl to you tomorrow. I hope you're feeling good. I didn't even bother to chuck if you had the same blood type. Yeah, yeah. You guys are both, uh... Well, whatever you are, right? That's fine. You're good. You've lived together, so I'm sure it's the same now and... <laughs> I'm sure when you decided to cohabitate that your blood type synchronized. Yeah, it's all matchy-matchy.
I'm a doctor. Have you typed and screened these people? God damn it. <laughs> Did you create your sterile field? <laughs> oh, I don't see any blood pressures being taken. <laughs> dead. She's very dead. I'm sorry. Shut up, Arthur. Oh my god. You fucking suck, bro. Harsh <laughs> in my vibe. You got a lot going on. I'm doing blood transfusions <laughs> on the fly. With some rubber tubing I found in the garbage can. 